Welcome back to another episode of Caps Off presented by The Game Day. We got a special, special guest today, PFF's none or none, none other than, than PFF's Mike lead Renner. draft anal- analyst, Mike Renner. Welcome uh, on the podcast, Mike. Thanks for having me, fellas. Excited to be here. I botched oh, yeah. the intro. But what else <laughs> yeah. is new? I botched it. There's Mike, where are you calling in from right now? I am in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's where PFF's headquarters are. Nice. So, oh, really? Uh, I'm here. Yeah, for the weekend. Ohio or Kentucky side? Um, he, he, the Ohio side. I mean, Cincinnati's in Ohio, so it's, it's right downtown. Oh, I wasn't sure if it was like – there's, there's a little suburb town next to – The owner. Yeah. He, he, he opened the office here. So, yeah. Skyline Chili. So do you guys have a Bengals – do you guys have a Bengals bias because of that, or, or do you guys think pretty objective? No. No Bengals bias. Although I am like, I am here. If I can show, I'm like right outside the Bengals stadium. Oh, right there. oh that's exactly sweet. where he Looking is. right at it. That's sweet. Yeah. Hell yeah. So you don't you don't live really out in Cincinnati though, right? You're just there for for work. No, I'm in Orlando now. Yeah. Nice. Well, what are your thoughts I, on I, Skyline I Chili then? Oh, dude. So I'm not an original Cincinnati. Like I didn't grow up here. Yeah. And so if you didn't grow up here. It's you trash. have the same opinion of Skyline as every other normal person, which is that it's trash. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's uh, meat water. It's not great. You would never choose to eat there, but you get yeah. forced to if you have friends it that ma- are from. Sydney. It makes no exactly. sense why they put it on top of noodles too. I'm like, that's just not. It's not chili. Like I just never understood. It's, it's called chili because they put chili powder in it. That's the only initially. reason. That's the only reason it's called chili. It's <sighs> it is not. Anything resembling it's a meat any soup. chili you've ever it's had. Dog I've, when I've been, I've been to a few Bengals games. And I've had like the the skyline chili dog. That's not bad because it's not on top of a bunch of noodles, but it's still not like it it's all sounds great. Disgusting. Yeah, I was gonna say this whole thing. There's like, all cinnamon, sounds disgusting. Sounds it, terrible. Uh, j- just, to, I mean, we wanna we wanna get to know you a little bit. Like we, we Adam in his intro, he said so eloquently that uh, <laughs> you are the uh, the lead. Uh, is it ranking analyst, draft analyst at PFF? How did you get into doing that, and how did you get to your position where you are now? So I, I started at PFF right out of college. I, I, was, I was an accounting major at Notre Dame and just basically knew I didn't want to do accounting. And so I, PFF, if you think back to 2012, that was you know, over a decade ago. No one knew who the hell they were really back then. I mean, I was one of the first 10 employees even. Wow. Oh, wow. At PFF when I started it, and it was part time back then, and we really didn't. We had like four NFL clients. We really didn't have a big footprint. Um, and, and then so over the past decade, it just kind of grew and grew. And, and I didn't even start doing really media in, until I was probably like two or three years in at PFF. And they taught me how to grade there. They taught me how to scout. At times, they had various different NFL people on staff. They had Bobby Slowick, who's the OC for the Texans, on staff at one point. Ooh. Zach Robinson who's a QB coach of the Rams at one point. And I just learned football from those guys and learned how to grade and then work my way up, started doing more media when Chris Collinsworth bought the company in 2015 here. Uh, That's when I moved to Cincinnati when he opened up offices. And 2019 is when I became uh, in charge of all our draft stuff, our draft board. Um, Not a banner year 2019, I'll say, for my draft rankings. But since then, they've they've, (laughs) they've bounced back. The last three years have been a lot better. So what does go into PFF's grading system? Because I only use it when it's applicable to positive stats for some of my players and refuse (laughs) to use it when it does not apply, a.k.a. an Xavier Howard being on the bottom tier of cornerbacks. So what does go into PFF grading and how do you, you know, come up with those grades? 
Yeah, we like to call them production grades. So, so they are kind of how you impacted what was going on in the football field. And now we're, cha we're changing it this year, truthfully, uh, full oh. disclosure. We're changing it to more of a scouting grade. Um, Breaking news. And we're kind of trying to do a balancing act on that. Like a scouting grade being like how well you executed each play from like a scouting perspective, but not necessarily how much you impacted each play. Huh. But as it stands okay. right now, the grading is kind of like an impact score. It's like if you make, uh, you know, how much your play actually uh, impacted the play. And it's on a play-by-play -play grading system. So every single play you get looked at. Uh, how, how well did you go above and beyond the call of duty at your job on any particular play? And that's basically how it comes to the final grade you see uh, on the website. Interesting. 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 So it's not like you like, it's not like a, is it more of like a, I guess, equation where you pick and plug different statistics? It's not really as much as that, as much as like you guys just really breaking it down fundamentally on it, each play. It's all film. It's yeah. purely based off of the film. And purely based off of, like I said, the individual play-by-play -play grading. So, I'll, so we'll have uh, one person go through immediately after a game and do all the grading, and then one person go and review that afterwards. Uh, and it's, it takes about five hours for someone to do each of those jobs. So that's Jeez. you know, Damn. we have one person doing pretty much working. Uh, we have a bunch of people working pretty much around the clock every Saturday, Sunday to get the college and. Uh, NFL grades up by Monday. You said that you're. So after, yeah, go ahead, Felipe. Let's let you chime in. I was going to say so after you guys do that analysis and you guys get those grades out for the different positions, you're looking. Because I feel like a lot of times we look at those and we see a guy like I'm looking at it now, Tyler Aguirre, is up there at top five for running back. Do you guys. Is that how you guys calculate your rankings too? Obviously, like that is the, the grades that you guys have. But would you say that Tyler Aguirre, because he's the five has the fifth highest uh, PFF grade, would you say he's the fifth best running back too? Or like, how does that go into your, you know, the breakdown of rankings and positions and stuff like that? No. So my job's different in that I'm actually doing like player evaluation. So what I kind of talked about, like the scouting, how we're kind of trying to change the grading system to match that is we want to, I, I want my grades, at least for college. I don't do much like NFL stuff. I'll write about some rookies and stuff, but I want it to reflect kind of like how you would, draft those guys you know like how much you expect them to actually be you know like if you were just drafting doing a you know an nfl draft uh my evaluations are based off of that how who you would take first who you would take second who you take third and as you mentioned there tyler algier grading out top five does not mean that i'm taking him top five in this draft and uh you know there's different positions in this year's draft if you look at like the collegiate grading where the guy who was the top player at that position from a grading perspective uh, is not necessarily going to be top center board. So like uh, like Kobe Turner from Wake Forest is a good example this year in the draft. If you look at his college grade, he's the second highest graded DT this year besides Jalen Carter from the Power 5. I'm not putting him the second highest one because he's 6'2", 288, not necessarily a great athlete. So he's like lower down in the top 100 on the PFF draft board, even, if, even though his grade was awesome and he was very productive last year. So uh, I'm trying to look at him more from like a skill set from a talent perspective, whereas PFF grading is more just like, how much did you impact on a football field? So it's, I'm coming at it from two different ways. I was, about to, I, was a, I was about to ask, we're going to get into lots more of these college players and, and what you think their player comps are, but you just mentioned before that your 2019 draft board wasn't as successful, you said. So I'm curious, which NFL players did you predict correctly to be super amazing that have panned out and and any and any guys and any guys that were total busts that you you know thought were going to pan out better 
Um, I'm trying to think. So we had, well, I mean, we were high on Baker Mayfield. That one was always weird to me. Like his rookie year and then his career arc has been just so a, weird. So weird. Case study. And yeah, it's just no one really knows what happened, what the mm-hmm. hell happened to Baker Mayfield. Uh, but he, he's one guy we went to bat for as number one pick that year. Obviously, he ends up going number one. So it's not like it was a stark disagreement, but he obviously didn't live up to that hype. Um, I'm trying to think of guys we were super high. So Grady Jarrett. Falcons DT, we called the first rounder. That was our mm. very first year of doing PFF uh, college grading. I know Chris Jones, we had like 10th on our board that year. Um, I'm trying to think That's of who else. Cool. We had, you know, we had DK Metcalf. So 2019 draft, we had DK Metcalf and AJ Brown as wide receiver one and wide receiver two in that draft oh, class. So and obviously that bet. one uh, looked better than Marquise Brown and Nikhil Harry, who were the actual wide receiver one and wide yep. receiver two off the board for the NFL. The so Miss boys. Um, that's a good one. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I don't, I don't try to like. I hate the people that go and pump out all their hits, you know, because <laughs> no one, no one, like no one knows, no one actually is going, you know, batting like 95% here. We're, we're all, we're all hovering around like 50 to 60%. You're just like Still splitting positive. hairs between a lot of draft people's yeah. rankings. So uh, if anyone goes and tells you that they're, uh, that they know more than anyone mm-hmm. else, they're, they're probably lying. To this me. is your year, Mike. This is your year. I promise. <laughs> I mean, that's a D. I mean, I got through college. Go Thirty-two with for D's. thirty-two on the yeah, first round. Yeah, I'm D pluses. Yeah, I got yeah, through college yeah. with D's. It's a D. And D it's a passing grade. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a passing, passing grade. It's pretty much a salad. Uh, you you <laughs> mentioned though, and I want to tee up Jack on this one. You mentioned out of college. Um, you went straight to PFF, but I don't know if this was, bef- you know, during college or after college, but um, oh, a quick Google search would tell us that you had a quick stint on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or one of them. The Bachelorette. Where, the the bachelorette. Bachelor is where he'd be the only one, right, which would be right. way cooler. Yeah. That's <laughs> but, you know, The Bachelorette's still pretty cool, too. So Yeah. How, t- tell us a little bit about that and, and how I, that went down. Do, like, I want to know. From the beginning, did you sign yourself up? Did a buddy of yours do it? And how that whole selection process for being on The Bachelorette go? So, so you were correct. It was a quick stint. It was, I, if you blinked, you probably missed me. Three episodes? Oh, um, we, it, it's all there. Jack did his research. <laughs> By the way, Jack. Actually, I think I, so they, they actually, they, they split up the rose ceremony, oh. so I actually snuck into the fourth episode. It says week three, but it's really they week left four. On a, you were one of the guys they left on a cliffhanger like, will Mike get past this rose ceremony? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, then it was. Then Mike did get asked. Um, but so it started because I had – I was at actually a Notre Dame football game the fall prior. Ran into one of my buddies who lived out in San Diego, and he had uh, – he was telling me that he was going. He was supposed to be on this past season. Someone like brought it up, and he was supposed to be on the past season, which was like Rachel Lindsay's season. Mm, um, season. And he couldn't do it with work. He was a baseball agent at the time. And I, and I was like, "How'd you even go about doing that?" And he's like, "Oh, just through my work. I, I meet people, uh, you know, out on the West Coast, uh, and knew some of the producers." And I was like, "Well, can you put me in touch? I'd be down because I'd actually watched <laughs> probably I'd watched that season and the season prior." Um, because it was like hot back then. It was, it was that was probably the peak of it. That was prime And then my season was the downfall. Yeah. Like I, once That's I got on, sick. they're like, "This show sucks." <laughs> so uh, it was. He, he put me in touch, and it was like not a, a difficult process. They they kind of just sent me back a couple questionnaires, uh, and the next thing I knew, I was like flying out to L.A. for final casting. Did, they, so, did you do you have like uh, a, a go-to sob story? Because I feel like everyone always <laughs> that they cast on The Bachelor has something that they always just go into like way too hard the producers it's crazy 
That was probably my problem was I had like nothing interesting about me whatsoever. Because <laughs> I go a normal, on there happy guy. And, and I was thinking I was thinking like, oh, I'm gonna be, you know, the guy who works in sports, like the guy who works in football, whatever. And then they have two NFL players on my season oh, and wow, I immediately get like cocked. And that they're just talking about those guys being in the NFL and I'm like I watch these guys. Like, like, oh, <laughs> my, job, yeah. my job is to analyze these That's, guys every move. Do, do you think, yeah, I mean, right? we, we can pull up the picture later too. Do you think it had to do with the Tarzan haircut? Maybe I mean, not I getting thought further. you looked great with the Tarzan oh, cut, personally. The long hair was, long hair was bad. All right, it, all right. We're bringing, so we're bringing him back to a dark back place. We don't mean to put you back into that, man. <laughs> Sorry, if we bring back the no, dark place. No, but I grew it out for five, five years. I had that. Five years. I guess a year and a half of that, it wasn't long, but then three and a half years, I probably had it long where I'd put it up in a bun. Um, thankfully, uh, once COVID hit, I was like, I'm done with this. That's, that's it. <laughs> Good call. Love All right. It. Well, uh, I, uh, thanks for shedding. shedding. Yeah, that's cool. Shedding. I could keep asking you about yeah, this for probably an hour, to be honest. Episode, honestly. Um, but I'm sure everyone's turned off the soda by now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what makes our, our show fun. Uh, but we will move into some football stuff again. Uh, we uh, there's been a lot of player comps being made for the top guys in this uh, NFL draft. So we want to hear your player comp and what you've seen with these guys. So we're gonna we're gonna go through. I got like a list of like seven or eight guys, um, and we'll go through and okay. and you'll give us who you think that player should be compared to. What NFL player these college prospects should be compared to? So we'll start with the big guys. We'll start with Bryce Young. Who do you think is Bryce Young's NFL player comp? There really isn't one, right? I in the draft guide I said, and I and I don't want to even put this on him, but I said smaller Deshaun Watson. I'm talking about on field, obviously. On the field, on the field, of course, of course, on the field. Not a lot of smaller Deshaun Watsons off the field. Let's just say in this class, <laughs> um, um, <laughs> but he like that's just kind of the creativity that Deshaun has, the mm. ability to just sense pressure and get out of tight quarters. On the field. it's really on reminiscent. Now I think Deshaun's probably got maybe a little stronger arm and obviously more prototypical frame. And Young's such an outlier that I don't care who you comp him to. It's not going to look good, right? It's not going to be inaccurate. I think people are saying, like, you know, Doug Flutie's like the size comp for him. And even that's crazy in retrospect. It's a completely different era. Watching those two play quarterbacks just night and day, it's, it doesn't make sense. So there's really no good one. But that's just from a play style standpoint, that's a guy who I could see being a similar stylistic comp. Felipe, thoughts? I mean, yeah, that the thing about Bryce Young is I think a lot of people have been they they saw how much he performed, and we had PFF Sam Munson on as well, and he just talked about his performance that nobody performed close uh, to how Bryce Young did during uh, you know his collegiate career. But then there's the knock on his size. So obviously, like you said, Deshaun Watson has a prototypical size. So what do you think about? Um, the comparisons to like a Tua, some a guy that's like a bit smaller, athletic as well. Obviously, there's like the Alabama connection there. Uh, how much do you think his size is going to play into his success in the league? I think. I, I think it, the biggest thing I worry about is size, is yeah. injury, and obviously with Tua, that's that, that's that's mm. borne out. You know, he, he has been off injured say. since entering the league, but but Tua is also like he Tua couldn't take hits in college. He, he just. Yeah. He he had to. Uh, what's he been doing? This he's been doing like jujitsu or something to learn how to fall this offseason because he just <laughs> he's a black that's belt. When, that's when he's been like screwing up, right? Because he just doesn't really know how to fall. And I will say about Bryce Young, he does not know how to slide. That's going to be a storyline for him for sure because true. he dives head first when he's out in space. And 
as much as I think the NFL now protects head first dives for quarterbacks, it's still a lot riskier than a foot first slide. If you know how to slide, but he doesn't like he's tried before and it's not looking good. So that's the one thing I worry about is that guy that size, he's going to take hits and he doesn't do a great job of protecting himself as is, or at least didn't at Alabama. And so I think just that guy's going to get banged up. You're too small to be getting, you know, sat on by 350 pounders weekly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, checks out. Hurt. Definitely hurt my team, the size. Adam's, Adam's a big Dolphins fan, so he, he's a Tua stand until he dies. Uh, or until, 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 until we get Lamar. Lamar comes. <laughs> until Tua dies. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, no, that makes sense, though. Sorry. All right. The next, the next player on my list is what is C.J. Stroud's NFL player comp? This is a curious one. C.J. Stroud, I, I don't love the comps that have been thrown. Like, a lot of people said Jared Goff. I honestly see more Ryan Tannehill with him. Even because – Is that worse. better? Is that, that might be worse. Good. Is that worse? That's worse. I don't think either, – like, neither of them are good, right? Like, I don't think Stroud <sighs> really – the thing I worry about him is he's a little, like, robotic in nature. Um, yeah, and he's not – like, he's athletic, but he's really not a runner. And that's how I feel about Tannehill, right? Like, Tannehill can move when he's out in space he doesn't necessarily scare you from a scrambling perspective that he's going to find and, you know, be able to find that crease, get out and run. And I saw Stroud, you know, he did a little in the Georgia game. He's done it at times. And he definitely, you know, if he ran a 40, I would expect it to be either you know, somewhere in the four sixes. Like I, he can actually on the, when he's out in space move, but that's really not an aspect of his game. And he's really a pocket passer, but kind of when it starts to collapse on him, he starts playing tight and looking tight. And so, that's something that's very similar to Ryan Tannehill. Um, so I, I see shades of it. But, again, Stroud, I'm not sure there's a really great comp for him that I felt like in the league. Is that why it's, there's rumors coming out now, and obviously it's always rumors, that the Texans might not end up going with a quarterback at the, new, at the second pick because of the fact that the ceiling you know, or the consensus around the league might be that the ceiling isn't high enough on a C.J. Stroud, that they might be better off to go a Will Anderson or a defensive player to pair with the D'Amico Ryans? Well, truthfully, I don't think they drafted Stroud because he has the same agent as Deshaun Watson. And I don't think they want, I don't think oh. either side wants that, right? Uh, they traded away. So they had Whitney Merciless have the same agent as Deshaun Watson. And uh, gosh, I'm blanking on the other guy who had the same agent as Deshaun Watson, the guy, uh, Charles Menehue. And they both got hmm. traded. Oh. Last year and two years ago, Whitney Merciless got traded last year and Menehue got traded. Like they don't want to deal no with each other anymore, I don't think. So uh, David Mulgetta being the agent, I, and I think it's a mutual sort of thing. So I think that's why Bryce Young comes off the board. Well, they're not going to draft Stroud. And then it's like, well, do I want Will Levis and Anthony Richardson knowing that they might be projects and knowing that if I start them year one, well, then the chances are I'm drafting a guy next year in Caleb Williams. Like chances are I'm going to have the number one pick. I'm still a bad roster here yeah. in Houston. So yeah, uh, I think that's the decision they're making right now wow. is they're like, oh, shit. Like if I don't get the guy who I think is a slam dunk in Bryce Young, and I'm obviously not going to want to deal with C.J. Stroud in that whole situation. Well, I have the number two pick, and I don't really love these quarterbacks in terms of value. So I think that might be the situation they're staring at. And if that's the case, it might – it wouldn't surprise me if they trade out our number two if they really were only there for Bryce Young. Wow, you heard it here first. This is what the Texans are doing on draft day. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, honestly, to just stink it up with Davis Mills for a year and then go get Caleb Williams or Drake May. Like, It actually makes a lot and of sense. And you had one of the top prospects outside of the quarterback position. I mean, that's like what we talked about yesterday. Like, you can keep hovering. Get a quarterback. It's going to be a project. It's going to be next year. 
we saw the Cardinals do it when they drafted what Josh Rosen and then went out and still had the number one pick, went out and took Kyler Murray. Essentially, the, the first round pick they had the year before was a waste. You just wasted it on Josh Rosen. So, I mean, the Texans, that's a decision to make right there. Yeah. All right, the next player we got. Uh, what is Will Levis's NFL player comp? This is boy right here. <laughs> I went with, in the PFF draft, I went with Jake Locker. Um, I, I think if you're talking about guys right now in the NFL, which obviously Jake Locker not a great comp, but guys right now, I see a little of maybe <laughs> earlier career Matthew Stafford um, is how I put it in that, you know, Stafford, when he was early in his career, had a little mobility to him. He, he could get out and move a little bit. Now he's really more just a pocket passer, but strong arm, like arm that really plays over the middle of the field at the intermediate level. Like he can hit tight windows there because such quick release, such a, such zip behind the ball, such easy zip to that level of the field that that's where his bread and butter is. And he's an athlete and he's like really tough and can handle pressure that you'll see at the NFL level. And truthfully was this past year, I think his pressure percentage was higher than uh, all but, like, three NFL teams. So, basically, he's going to have it easier behind whatever offensive line he goes to at the next level. But I want Jake Locker because, to me, Locker was similar in that they're both just ridiculous athletes, great size for the position, great arm talent, but inaccurate. Like, Locker was just – he just missed throws left and right. I, I don't think you question a lot of other stuff about Locker, but he just missed throws. And then, obviously, Locker ends up kind of falling out of love with the game and retires early, but – I don't expect that from Will Levis, but I do think it's just, can you fix Levis's accuracy? You promised me you could fix Levis's accuracy. I, that's, that's a franchise quarterback. In my opinion, I think everything else is there, but the accuracy. How do we normalize player comps with someone like the superstar quarterbacks in today's NFL? I feel like, cause it's, it, oh, it's I know, so it doesn't not, happen. You're not going to compare like, just oh, compare someone to Patrick Mahomes already. Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> this guy's fucking Joe Burrow. Hey, All right, great. They did it with Zach Wilson, bro. If, if Zach Wilson was com- being compared to Patrick Mahomes when he was coming out, I don't, I don't want to hear those comparisons Same anymore. with Trey Lance, Facts. bro. Like. Facts. That's fair. All right. <laughs> I, I have uh, – so the next two quarterbacks I have compared to kind of basically uh, the top five quarterbacks this year, I have compared to higher-end dudes in the NFL right now. Mm. For Anthony Richardson, I have Josh Allen. Ooh. And for Hendon Hooker, I have Geno Smith. I think that's okay. – are we talking so Richardson I was about no, to move on to no great cop, Are we talking early career Geno Smith or current Geno Smith? <laughs> that's that's the mystery. You, that's why that's what the teams are gonna have to figure out. It's uh, somewhere probably in between. You're getting, but he is. I mean, early career. Hendon Hooker is already 25, so I don't do know you, if there's an early career Geno Smith there. Do you think if Hendon Hooker didn't get hurt last year, he would have been a higher draft pick, a like consensus top half of the first round? I don't know about that. I age. still do think there's too many concerns about that Tennessee offense. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I would, I would buy the first round hype. I, I still don't buy the first round hype right now. I still think it's crazy to draft a 25 year old quarterback who may not play his rookie year from a ridiculous offense that he ran at Tennessee. But if he, if he was going to be playing his rookie year and he was healthy, I, I would buy. It. I would think he'd be a slam dunk first round. There's a lot of people talking about Anthony Richardson. We've, you know, I think uh, people have said there's a part of it that's Cam Newton. You just said Josh Allen. I mean, is Anthony Richardson worthy of the number one pick if that is the player comp? Obviously, there's a lot more concerns. It's not, you know, that simple. But Anthony Richardson obviously has the highest ceiling of all the quarterbacks in this draft. So why don't we draft based off of the ceiling? Because he sucks. 
Well, one, because I think Bryce Young's like, I, I think that's doing a disservice to Young and his ceiling. I, I think he can be special. Um, two, because, I, I mean, I think he could still go high, right? Like, I, I think he might. Like, I think he might go two. I think he might go four. Like, I think he goes highly in this draft. Uh, but he is, you're, you're looking, the problem is you're looking at um, a similar situation to what the 49ers have kind of seen play out with Trey Lance and that the guy's not played football. You know, he's played one season uh, of football at Florida with, I think, fewer than 400 career dropbacks to his name. And it just takes time at quarterback. As we saw with Hendon Hooker, year six is when he finally gets considered a real prospect. So Anthony Richardson could hit his ceiling. You know, he could end up being that dude. That could be year five for him because he's, you know, he's 20 years old. He's still so raw at the position that by the time everything kind of clicks, yeah. Do you have four years as an NFL GM? You might not. And especially when you're drafting at that point in the draft, that guy better hit quick. So I think that's the problem is just people asking themselves when and if is he going to hit that ceiling? Hey, well, how God. far behind is he from Josh Allen? Because obviously you make the Josh Allen comparison and a lot of people do because the, the intangibles are that like there's the size. Josh Allen didn't have much accuracy coming out of college. I mean, the, the completion percentage, we've all seen the rise throughout his career from high school even all the way to the NFL. Mm-hmm. So – what what is that? What is that? how is that comparison went? Like how can we see that? Yeah, Josh Allen. I'll, to his credit, like Josh Allen played one more football. You know, starts what was it one or two years at JUCO, and then I believe two years at Wyoming. Um, so played more football, um, and honestly did it in a situation where it was tough. You you saw him like just trying to keep his head above water most games, and, and so I think that that helps quarterbacks. So I think one of the biggest reasons why Ohio State quarterbacks get this knock is they're it's they almost develop bad habits because it's so easy because they have all day back there because they have guys running wide open. They turn down what are NFL windows because they know they can find gaping holes uh, down the football field. if They just hold on to the football. So that was like something that played in Josh Allen's favor is that he was working with nothing. And every game that he went out there, it was just on him. So, and then even him with all that experience, it was year three before he became even close to a viable NFL starter. And so that's, again, like that's, I think the reason why you're seeing that. Whereas I think even CJ Stroud for all the knocks I just said about Ohio state's offense, you can pretty much, you'll get a level of play that is not, you know, unplayable. Whereas Anthony Richardson outside of his rushing ability, you, you could get unplayable. It could look like Zach Wilson as a passer year one or year two. Yeah, that's, that's not, not great. good. That's no. not great. No, it's not great. Not great. Um, not great at all. I also think that probably will happen. I'm super low on it. <laughs> yeah, might. but you are also the best scout. Oh, I, you know, as a University of Missouri alum, I've watched him stink it up against Mizzou. And if you are bad against Mizzou, you're really fucking bad. Yeah, that's just my professional opinion as a uh, as a professional scout. Yeah, Mike, myself. this is our lead scout yeah. uh, here at, at Caps. <laughs> I test guy. You know, I, I don't test, lo- yeah. I don't look at the stats. Just let me watch a game. Yeah. just one though. I don't need to do too many. You know, um, <laughs> Missouri's a good limit test though. I do agree with that. If you stink it up against Missouri. I'm probably not drafting you too high at quarterback. All right, see, I can talk shit on Mizzou. Now now we got a bone to pick, all right? <laughs> um, I want to move away from the quarterback position. Um, we There are a couple of good wide receivers in this draft, too. The Caps Off podcast here happened to have Zay Flowers' agent on Zach Hiller. last week. Um, shout out Zach Hiller. And he gave Zay Flowers a player comp. His player comp was that Zay Flowers is like – 
is going to be better than Antonio Brown. Now that's I coming. I think he meant better than Antonio Brown in the fact that the off the field antics was, won't happen. Yeah, so that he has the same kind of skill <laughs> nah. level, but the off the field antics won't be a problem. Therefore, He's better. Like, what the fuck? So, so, and, and he he said that a little bit, you know, paired with don't look at the PFF stats. Look at the look at the you know watch watch him play. Watch how skilled he is. Look at his talent. The raw. The, don't you know, look at P. Who the kind of raw stuff you won't see by looking at numbers. So I'm curious from the other side of this perspective. What is Zay Flowers' player comp? I went with T.Y. Hilton uh, as that's a player comp. That's not bad. I think that's, that's why you. Yeah. I still do worry about his size. You, you know, for Antonio Brown, like they were, I think he was about an inch taller. I think Tony Brown's 5'10", Zay 5'9". But the wingspan difference. Like Zay Flowers has a limited catch radius. I think he has like 29-inch arms, whereas Antonio Brown's were, I believe, 31. So that's four that's a big Two difference in terms of just balls four you can get to outside of your frame. That's true. And so that's the worry I have um, with him is that like the areas of the football field he can be effective are just not the same as where Antonio Brown might have been. Like, but but it's not impossible, right? There's there's guys Jalen Waddle, um, uh, Tyreek Hill, Tyler Lockett. Like there are guys in that mold with small wingspans who can still produce. You just got to be a heck of an athlete. So I I believe in Zay Flowers. I think he's good damn good wide receiver. I just see him more as kind of a vertical threat who is not really ever going to be your complete number one type of wide receiver. Do you think Zay Flowers will be the first wide receiver off the board? Man, this wide receiver class is tough. I don't think so. I, truthfully, I think it's going to be uh, – I think it's Jackson Smith and Jigba. I just think he yeah. has the highest floor. And receiving now, receiving cores nowadays, you, you pay for that floor. Right? You, that you gladly get a guy, even if his floor is – you know, I think his floor is like a good, solid number two. Yeah. A lot of teams are desperate for that. Just teams are trying to stockpile weapons. So I think he ends up being the first wide receiver. But after that, I, I couldn't tell you. It really is a wide receiver class that looking around other people's rankings, talking to people I trust, respect about wide receiver scouting, all over the map. Everyone's all over the map. And it's kind of indicative because it's not a good class. There's not enough talent. Uh, there's not enough top-end talent is why that is. But I've really seen everyone have different answers to who's the best wide receiver, pretty much outside Jackson Smith and Jigba. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say you're not saying Zay Flowers is AB 2.0 on the field? <laughs> on the field. <laughs> on the field? <laughs> on the field. Yeah. Okay. Big, big caveat there. That's, I mean, that's a big I – mean, Felipe thinks Antonio Brown's the best receiver of all time. So that's tough to live up Look, to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think what we've seen from Antonio Brown, I just we think it's talk. it's one of those things where we said, like, why can't you compare these quarterbacks to these amazing, like, the Patrick Mahomes? It's like the same thing. This guy came out here last week, sat right in front of me and told me that Zay Flowers was going to be the next Antonio Brown. Come on, bro. Give me some more, somebody more realistic. He can't do that. Well, can you can you pitch why you think uh, Antonio Brown's the greatest receiver ever real quick? Real quick. Well, I just think he's on the field. as complete. Well, I don't know why we're doing this now. but I mean, <laughs> I'm just curious what a professional – you know, analysts thinks of this take in general. Well, I'm sure that if we looked at Antonio Brown's PFF grades, <laughs> maybe Mike can check me. But I haven't been in time played, but I, I think he's just a complete receiver. Does it all? Does it all uh, from all over the field? I think when you talk about like smaller receivers, it's can they play inside? Can they play outside? Because a lot of guys are limited to inside. Antonio Brown could play literally everywhere. He played with multiple quarterbacks, produced with everybody. So uh, I love AB, but that's just me. On the field. On the field. On the field. On the field. I think he's Same with I think he's probably since Calvin Johnson retired, the best wide receiver. I would take him over Julio over the past mm -hmm. decade. Mm -hmm. I, obviously when they were both on the field. 
I just think he was, as he said, like he was more versatile. He could do everything. Truly. And just, and the size really never, never was an issue. You brought it up. So I have to ask, we've had this and we can do this quickly. Calvin or Julio, which one are you taking? Oh, I think my answer right there. Calvin. Calvin Calvin was smart man. Different cat. Uh, Yeah. Eye test, just no one like him, man. Hey, <laughs> scouts, 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 no, scouts they, they speak to I each mean, other. I mean, that's just me and him are just on, on par with these. Yeah. Wait, Matan, qu- Matan, quickly, do we, do we have JSN on, on, one of the, on this list yes, or Yes, no? that was going to be my next name. Oh, wonderful. I'm yeah. very curious. No, yeah. I, so who is, Mike, who is the player comp, the NFL player comp for Jackson Smith and Jigba? I went with Julian Edelman, uh, oh. I think. They're very similar just usage-wise. You know, Edelman was – he wasn't solely a slot, but that was obviously where he probably did his best work. But, like, you could play him outside too. And I feel similarly about JSN. That, that neither is, you know, elite deep speed guy. But you ask him to, you know, run any underneath or any intermediate route, and, and they pretty much get open at will. So that's that's where, like – if you go look at the testing of the two also, they're like damn near identical. Besides, I think JSN's like two inches taller, but they're same weight, same 40. I think like within a tenth of a second on the three cone short shuttles too. Like they move the same way. So that was my conference. Three cone drill. Three cone drill. Hey, three cone drill is important. All right. <laughs> you heard it. As a receiver, as a receiver though. Yeah, exactly. As a receiver though, Julian Edelman, I think I remember this correctly, right? Because he was, I mean, well, he was a quarterback at, at Kent State, right? In college. Came into the league, and I remember Bill Belichick used to use them on special teams. Would use them on uh, as like a safety in some packages on defense. It wasn't until like a couple of years after that he really built up his, his game to like that starting receiver caliber for the Patriots. Whereas JSN, like you said, the floor for him is a really solid number two receiver. So how much further along is he at this point in his career than you know Julian Edelman was entering the NFL? Would you say? Yeah, so I mean, Julian like developed into that guy. Yeah, like, I'm comparing exactly. him to like later career Julian, okay. and that's the thing. That's why I think Jackson with Jigba. That's why you know Brian Harline's wide receiver coach is going to bat for him over guys like Chris Olave and uh, even Garrett Wilson, who obviously with thousand yard receivers is rookies. It's that this guy just he gets it right, and I think that's you're seeing more and more of that winning in the NFL nowadays. Whether it's you know, Amon Ross St. Brown, whether it's Cooper Cup, the guys that understand leverage, the guys that are shifty. Uh, it's not necessarily pure straight line speed that's getting the job done consistently. So that's why that's why I have him, you know, as a really high grade in this draft class. I just think he's a very safe, safe pick at wide receiver. That's he's bigger. He's bigger than it looks too. Um, well, we just went through quarterbacks, wide receivers, a lot of good prospects in both positions. Do you want to ask your question you had? About Jordan Addison? No, about ranking the... the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, um, all, all four of us, don't really know shit about shit. We like to shoot the shit. But when it comes to shooting the shit, we very much debate wide receiver rankings, something that is somewhat controversial. Um, I'm curious, as someone that probably has the most credibility on this podcast right now from a PFF standpoint... It's not probably... Hundred percent. Yeah, I was trying to. I was trying to give more credit to Jack as a scout, but it was <laughs> okay. It's I'm, nine. It's ninety-five five. Exactly. Well, that's okay, what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to give more credit, probably. <laughs> but as someone that has a lot more credibility than us to speak on ranking wide receivers as a member of PFF, what would be your top five wide receiver rankings going into this season? So in the entire NFL, entire mm-hmm. NFL. Oof. Okay, going into the season, I'm still partial to Tyreek Hill. If I'm drafting any wide receiver, I think he is just 
the biggest game change, right? He, he basically, you have to, he dictates coverages, he dictates what you have to do. And maybe he's not the most complete, but every single player you're worried about. After that, I'd probably go Justin Jefferson. Wait, does that mean Tyreek? Does that mean Tyreek's number one? Yeah, Tyreek one. Tyreek oh, one. fuck yeah! <laughs> Justin Jefferson two. Obviously hard to argue with Justin Jefferson and everything he's done. Uh, and just because I would have probably had Devontae over Jefferson maybe like early last year. Devontae's getting up there. I'd probably go Devontae three. Probably then Stefan Diggs four. And then after that's tough because I love A.J. Brown. Ooh, uh, obviously produced off the charts last year in Philadelphia. But I also think like Jalen Waddle is insane. Also, Dude. Jalen Waddle's basically Tyreek Hill. But just, what about Jamar Chase? What's Jamar Chase? Maybe not quite as high end. I, I love Chase. I just think he's a little one tricky. Or like maybe a little bit more limited in, in like the route trees he's running. He's like slants, goes, posts, Adam money on those. I, I don't think he's a, a, a tr- him and DK Metcalf are very similar in my eyes and like what their role is. And that you're not really going to go out and let him do too much more with them. So, hey, Felipe. Felipe. I might go to Jalen Waddle 5. Whoa! Adam! (laughs) Hey, Felipe, how does it feel to not know shit about football? Because you said Jamar is better than. Easy to say that to him when. And Waddle and everyone. It's really easy to say that we're a little context for you, Mike. Uh, Adam's obviously (laughs) a huge Dolphins fan here. He's been. You know, he's been using specifically PFF stats to back up why Tyreek is the best wide receiver in football. Um, and, and, you know, picking and choosing on some of those stats just to show which are his best <laughs> things. But nonetheless, he's been doing it, and now you are validating about, his, entire, his entire take. And, and yeah. I, I'm all. curious, actually, what about Cooper Cup? Like, when he's healthy? Yeah, I, I, lo- I love Cup. I, I just think he's a little limited. A, I think you can obviously, you know, put a high volume pass game towards him, but it's, it's, it's kind of a one note route tree that he's running from the slot. You're, you're not going to do too much more from him, but he's very good. I mean, you're, he's probably just sitting outside that top five, right? So I'd probably throw AJ Brown right in that mix, Jamar Chase, then right in that mix. Uh, and then probably, then that's probably where I'd go. Uh, Cooper D-hop maybe. D- yeah. D hop. D hop's just getting up there a little too much. Ooh. You know, three years ago, slammed on top five. And I think now just the injuries and the age caught up to him. Yeah. Fair. Quickly, so are you saying Jamar Chase is slightly overrated for those that put him at one or two? No, no, I wouldn't say that. It's more just what you value because okay. if I want to run a, a pure one. go ball on the outside, he's who you're picking, right? I don't think anyone else in the NFL is better at that. But I just think that's a limited skill set. And, like, if he wasn't with one of the best go-ball throws in the NFL, he, he might not produce nearly as much as he does. I'm looking at you, Felipe. <laughs> clap back, Felipe. Come on. Huh? I said clap back. Come on. Oh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, the, I'm not a huge Chase guy either. I mean, I just – I don't know why you guys are making me a Chase guy. I like Chase. <laughs> I, think I think my, my number one receiver I've always said is Devontae Adams. So, I, I, like, I like Adams a lot. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good pick, Felipe. All right, I mean, now that we move to just like full on NFL topics. Yesterday, Jalen Hurts signed the biggest contract in NFL history. Uh, a few questions for you. First of all, I mean, oh, we'll, we'll do this as a factor cap because this, you know, it is caps off. So, so factor cap, Jalen Hurts is overpaid. Ooh, balance. I think it will turn out to 
not be overpaid in the long run. But I, I'll say, you know, if you just relatively stack up the contracts as it stands right now, he's the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. He's in these objectively not the best quarterback in the NFL. So yeah, from that perspective, uh, if you're ranking him to quarterbacks, he's not overpaid. If you're ranking him to like his impact versus the salary cap, I don't think so. Where, yeah. where would you rank him in that top, you know, five to 10 quarterbacks range then? Because I feel like he's kind of been fringe top five after last year for some of us that we've talked about it a little bit, but I'm curious what you think. Yeah. So I, I I'm taking, you, you know, I'm just, even if I like, I'd, I'd still take Aaron Rodgers over him mm. right now. Over just I think Rodgers didn't opinion. have lots of talent around him. But if I'm if I'm even just we're going just t- quarterbacks I'd start a franchise with, uh, I'm taking Joe Burrow ahead of him. I'm taking Patrick Mahomes ahead of him. I'm taking Josh Allen ahead of him. Uh, I'm taking, gosh, uh, Justin Herbert ahead of him. Trevor Lawrence ahead of Ooh. him. Wow. I have five right now. So, yeah. so he's outside yeah. the top five in terms wow. of quarterbacks I'm starting. So wow. at that point, you know, when you're the highest paid quarterback in the NFL and you're outside the top five, you can start a franchise with. Yeah, that's a little so, – little, little So you're saying despite being the highest paid quarterback in football, Jalen Hurts is not a top five quarterback for you even remotely? Yes, that's correct. You can, you can clip that. Clip I, it! I just clip wanted it. to make it clear. Clip it! I, I agree. Jalen Hurts not a top five QB. No, I, don't think I, I agree. A, I don't I, think that's a crazy take, by the way. We're saying I, it's, it's a not, super hot it's take. Not. I don't think that's a crazy Herbert, take at all. Herbert, he's amazing. Tiny bit. And, and again, I said this the other what day. For the system that the Eagles have, he is the guy, and I, I and think Mahomes it's, would be a little better. Probably. I, I think it's like I think we jumped to saying like, oh, like Lamar just could plug in and do the same, and I don't necessarily think that's the truth because they've built this incredible system around specifically Jalen Hurts, and that's why they're paying him because for them he is that valuable. But I agree if we're talking just rank if we're talking just ranking quarterbacks as quarterbacks on their own, like he's not. The top five. I just love the. I also I want to bring it back to the factor cap in which I'd say cap. Yesterday I probably would have said fact, but after like looking through the numbers and like I said, as a self-proclaimed cap expert, um, that <laughs> loves numbers. The cap hit at the end of the day yeah. is all I really care about because it ain't my money. It's Jeffy Lurie's money that's shelling that out. So if I'm looking at the cap hit, it's you know will overpaying a quarterback affect my ability to win a Super Bowl which I think we're going to talk about but if you look at the cap hits over the next 4 years his cap hit is 6 million 13 million 21 million and then 31 million basically over the first 3 years of Jalen Hurts's deal his cap hits are equivalent to Daniel Jones's cap hit this year so Again, to come back to it, I don't think he's overpaid because also you factor in the fact that Joe Burrow's going to get a deal. Justin Herbert's going to get a deal. Uh, Lamar, Trevor Lawrence Lamar, is going to get a Lamar deal. Lamar is going to get a deal. So all of this is going to push Jalen Hurts down. So sure, average annual value, guarantees, it all looks like a lot. But at the moment, it, it's overhyped. But in a year or two, it's going to look like absolutely nothing. They did the right thing. I agree with you. He's the quarterback to run their system. So under the... The, the term of fact or cap, is he overpaid? Yeah, it's like I will say cap. Value to sure, because of the numbers. Because of the numbers. Cap. Mike, I'm curious, um, when Jalen Hurts came out of college, what was your analysis of him coming cap. out? I was actually probably higher on him than most. I think I had him somewhere in the 50s or early 60s on the PFF board, so like kind of right where he came off. It was you bought into the improvement, right? I think – that was the biggest thing with him. Even like his senior year when he was a, still a Heisman finalist, he still was kind of inaccurate. He didn't have a power arm by any means. He still has like one of the weaker arms in the league probably. But 
the improvement you saw from freshman year to sophomore year to then obviously to a senior at Oklahoma, it was very easy to buy into, very easy to buy into the personality. And so that's that's where I had him. And I think that was kind of like his first and second year in the league. He was not that great, right? And he really did. But you saw, again, he continued to improve. And I think that's one of the underrated things about quarterback is that it's such a learned skill, a lot of it. Like a lot of it is, you know, just learning how to play a game, right? And And learning how to play efficiently within that game and it's not something that just you get overnight um and a lot of guys aren't willing to put in that work and don't and don't have the mental capacity to do so but hurts obviously has and has done it so that's how i feel like that's that's why you give him this money that and also the fact that after like the youtube deal the cap's gonna blow up so i I think they did that now because next season the cap might raise like 30 million dollars from what it was at this year it might be the biggest year on your raise ever and so once that happens every agent's going to yeah, be like oh shit numbers. now now the now the price of everyone just went up so i think they're buying into the low end of that before we see a ton of raises in uh caps around the league smart. is that playing a part in lamar jackson's deal right now possibly i, I think the i think the fact is that just like people don't want a guy who's as injured as he like teams don't want the injury risk of Lamar Jackson right now. And now after the draft, if someone doesn't get a quarterback, I bet he gets an offer sheet from somebody, but it just, no one's going to give you $150 million guaranteed when you miss four or five games a year, you know, that's just, and when you're, and after the debacle that went down last year in the playoffs where people thought he could play and still doesn't, that's, that's one where just a lot of teams are looking at that situation and say, I just don't even want to touch it. Right. Damn. And that's why those teams will stay poverty franchises. I mean, Lamar Jackson is he's arguably a top five quarterback. And yet he has never been supported in any way with with talent and weapons around him. I understand the injury concerns. But if we look at Jalen Hurts, contract, I mean, Jalen Hurts had one fantastic year and you just shell out money to become the highest paid player in NFL history. If we would have gave Lamar Jackson a contract after his MVP season, that contract would have looked like Patrick Mahomes' contract. And over the first two years, Lamar Jackson missed less games than Jalen Hurts missed over these first two games. The point is, Lamar didn't miss, you know, miss games. I get it right now. It's been four years and it's a lot different. But at the same time, I just think Lamar's value has been so devalued based off of these injuries, when in actuality, there's so many other factors and a lot of context that needs to be added to the Lamar situation. And I think he is just, he's a special talent. He should come to Miami. He should come to Miami. I mean, how many times I got to say it? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I got another factor cap here that sort of we touched on and Adam started started to hint on. But factor cap, having a superstar quarterback will hold back teams from winning a Super Bowl. Cap. Do you want to shed more light on that again? Cap, you started to explain it before. Shout out to uh, one of our followers on Instagram. He actually commented this and suggested it. Uh, we can put his thing down below. I don't know what exactly it is, but this is the exact reason I'm saying cap because Jalen Hurts' salary cap hit rankings from 2023 to 2026 will look like this. 25th in the NFL for quarterbacks, 19th in the NFL for quarterbacks, 19th for uh, cap hits uh, for quarterbacks in the NFL, and then 10th. There's a legit chance he plays this contract out without ever being top 10 in a salary cap hit at the position. So, again, I come back to it. This idea that they're getting all this money, it's relative to what the cap is going up. Similar to what Mike said, there's going to be a huge deal with, you know, that YouTube and Red Zone deal kicking in. It's not our money. So I think this idea that, like, they can't win without, you know, being a quarterback on a rookie deal. There's not many quarterbacks that have actually been able to win a Super Bowl on a rookie deal either. So it goes both ways. I just think it's a cap. 
Yeah, anytime you're talking about, you know, having to win a Super Bowl is your criteria for, you know, whether to pay a quarterback or not, it's such a small sample. Like, there's only 10 guys in the past 10 years, right? And most of them are named Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. So, like, <laughs> it's Bingo. if you're just basing it off of that, you're going to make bad decisions. I do think there is probably a tier where you want to pay guys top dollar and a tier where you don't. You know, if you're paying Derek Carr, the simil- in a similar tier as you're paying, say, you know, Mahomes, Allen, whatever, you're in trouble. If you're paying Kirk Cousins that, you're in trouble. You're paying, you know, any quarterback in that tier, you're in trouble. But I do think that tier is growing. And like Ryan Tannehill's in that tier, and he may even be like available for cheap. So I think that teams are starting to realize that and aren't paying these mid-tier quarterbacks top-end money. What? But if you do have a top, if you do have the elite guys, you pay them. You just you live with it, and you you have to live with some lot roster limitations. But they just make your life so much easier. What you, you know, like it, you don't have to have great rosters around guys like Joe Burrow, around guys like Justin Herbert to still make the playoffs. What do you think about Daniel Jones's contract then? I mean, it was a disaster, right? If I'm a Giants <laughs> fan, that was worst-case scenario for me. That oh. was just – he's so firmly in that tier I just talked about. That, no, no, um, no, 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 I, no. I don't, no. See us, I don't see him getting past, you know, the guy's never won more than 10 games. Mike, we were, having, we were having such a nice time together. <laughs> Giants fan, if you I'm didn't pick up Giant, on that one. Big Giants fan. I, I, will, I don't need to argue about it. I do think Daniel Jones will keep getting better, but I, that's just me being a biased Giants fan. Who's, who knows? Uh, <laughs> wait, Felipe, Felipe, you saying fact or cap? Uh, well, how was it phrased again? <laughs> <laughs> having a superstar quarterback will hold back teams from winning a Super Bowl. Oh, cap, man, it's, it's hard to win in this league without a superstar quarterback. You need one. I mean, and, and as, as Adam yeah, said, you know, that. if you can manipulate the the salary cap situation, then I think you're okay. Quick answer. Nice. That is a quick answer. All right, we'll wrap up on a on a couple of questions that are back to draft related um, that we wanted to ask you, uh, Mike. In your professional opinion, and this is a moment of prediction here. Who do you think will be the biggest steal in this year's NFL draft? That's question one. Man. Okay. And is it Stetson Bennett? Answer that, and then I'll ask you question uh, two. <laughs> I'll say, hmm, I'm trying to think of guys who are going to go. I'll, I'll say I, I love the Army edge rusher Andre Carter. I think he's going to be the biggest steal in this draft. I think he goes like day three. Shout out to man that But serves. I think he's really talented and really kind of got screwed by the fact that Army does not have a weight program that's – uh, not even just they have a weight program yeah. but it is not like his training regimen is not like what it takes to be a professional athlete yeah Armstrong's and so he's just so physically underdeveloped that if you just get Regular this guy in an NFL weight room for two years i think he's going to be a standout at the next level he's just you're going to have to wait a while until he puts on the requisite muscle so that's that's one wow. of the guys i love if i'm taking a shot in the fourth round i was gonna say i feel like army i think i think there's a thing like army navy air force they they're not allowed to have a certain certain percentage like body fat or something like that so they can't get like you look at all their linemen that's why they run the triple offense because like they can only be like 250 or 260 i didn't even know that yeah it's crazy that so that's why it's like army strong yeah. and then and then but then uh, if he puts on nfl muscle and weight gain and everything yeah and then my other question i actually thought of another thing we wanted to ask as well but but i'll stick to this one first um who do you think the biggest bust in the nfl draft will be I don't mean to have yeah, you see, shit I, I, on anyone, but relative to where they're supposed to go, who are you the most okay. worried about? Who are you the I, most I'll worried s- about? I am worried. 
I'm worried about CJ Stroud, honestly. I, I just, yeah. I don't. More than Richardson. He, especially if, like, you know, he goes first and has to go to Carolina and the weapons they have, or I guess lack of weapons they have, and like the offensive line that's just fine, but nothing close to what he had at Ohio State. I would worry about him. I guess the quarterback's not fair, though, because most of them don't work out. You know, that's like every year. Yeah. So I think outside of that, the guy I'd worry about, I kind of worry about Tyree Wilson. I just think he's so raw and he's raw and he's five years into his collegiate career. And now he's improved from where he was early in his career. Uh, like if you go back and watch his, I think it was Texas A&M tape when he was back uh, before he transferred, he looked like he just didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> he looked he looked like he was like how high school guys tape looked. But <laughs> he's, he's still on tape. Is just I, I worry about him ever turning into like a refined pass rusher and now he's a freak of nature, but uh, that's one guy where I could see him just never really turning into, just never really taking that next step. I feel like that's a position where the league tends to take a little bit more shots at because like a lot of times pure athleticism will translate right to success. Was it him that you compared to your player comp was uh, Jason Pierre Paul? Yes. Yeah. Just because yeah. there's, I mean, he's a freak, right? He's like over seven yeah. foot wingspan. And he's and he is really strong, and I think he's going to be like a solid run defender. But obviously, he's not getting drafted there to just set the edge. You better make an impact as a pass rusher. But but I agree. Like that's the, the edge rushers that do bust are the ones who are super tooled. You know, because that's that's what goes top ten. You better have you know thirty four yeah. inch arms. You better be six four. You better be explosive. But who just don't know what the hell they're doing? And I think he fits in that bucket of guys that you're just a little more worried about than maybe the Aiden Hutchinsons of the world who it's right. like, that guy knows how to play football. Mm -hmm. Maybe not a great athlete, but he knows what he's doing. I, I'm actually curious because I feel like we didn't get to touch on it earlier. What is your pro comp for Will Anderson? Because I feel like he's one of the best rushing prospects that we've seen leading NCAA in sacks the last two years, you know? Oh, man, who did I go with for him? I, uh, I'm trying to think. Let me let me let me look real quick. Pull Will it up. Anderson. Pull it up. Pull, pull um, up your your rankings. There should be a. I, I feel like he's going to be Gregory. crazy. That's who I went Randy with. Randy Gregory. Was it? I said Randy Gregory. Oh. I said stronger Randy Gregory. Pony up. It's <laughs> a little bit more physically. So Randy Gregory was. He's nice. He's like two thirty five coming out. So just I think of Randy Gregory, but then like he puts on fifteen pounds of muscle. That's how I Oof, feel about William. That's Anderson. insane. So. <laughs> and less. And people forget time. Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory was one of the premier guys in that class and. Obviously, it, he would have gone a lot higher today. I mean, he had like the the off the field like weed issues and stuff like that, which wouldn't be an issue today. So, so yeah. that's lofty. Last draft question for you, um, relative to the positions and obviously how deep it is. What's the best position in this entire class? I think it's tight end. I, I it's probably the best tight end class I've scouted. Started this obviously twenty fourteen. Great college, but there there's there's. Yeah, I don't love first-round tight ends. There's oh, probably yeah. two first-round tight ends in Dalton Kincaid from Utah, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. And then there's probably like seven day two tight ends. And most classes, you'll get like five guys in the rounds one through three, and then most go on day three. This this class actually has top-end talent. It's got depth. It's a really good tight end class. That's great for fantasy football. There have been no tight ends. We are, there's yeah, like five. There's just like it, you got Travis Kelsey, and then it just falls Such off, drop with, off with respect to Chill. George Kittle all around. But like from a receiving standpoint in a receiving league, it's Travis Kelsey than everyone else. Is there anyone in this class from the tight end's perspective that could be close to contending to Travis Kelsey as a receiving threat? 
I think Dalton Kincaid, his hands are awesome. And he, I think he had like 16 broken tackles after the catch last year, which is for tight ends pretty damn good. Um, he, he's, he's really good. I think Kincaid's your best receiving prospect. And, you know, Kyle Pitts was probably, is obviously freakier, but I think Kincaid's more NFL ready plug and play could be good. Now, now maybe not a thousand yards right out the gate like Pitts did, but Pitts was like they had no one else to throw to in that offense year one. So uh, I think Kincaid's a really high floor. What about when Brock Bowers comes out? Do you think he's going to be that next dude that's like, holy shit, because he's a freak? Yeah, Bowers, I mean, they might even, people might even just like call him a wide receiver, right? Because he's going to run 4-4 and he moves like a wide receiver and he's only like 235, 240. He's so uh, he he he's gonna be he's gonna be a top ten pick. That guy's he's a different animal. Do you think him or Kyle Pitts will be the bigger, I guess, tight end prospect going into the draft then? Because Kyle Pitts was super hyped up. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Pitt, Pitts is still like the prototype physically because he had seven foot wingspan, four four, you know, thirty eight inch vertical or whatever it was, just ticking every box physically. Bowers is probably more NFL ready. He, like he's run uh, and been more productive throughout his career than Pitts was, but Pitts was like the, the ultimate wild card or the ultimate like uh, lottery play, right? He was the guy with the highest upside theoretically, even if Bowers, you know, might not have that high upside. It might be a better NFL pro, but Pitts is like, no one would probably take Bowers over Pitts just because Pitts has so much untapped he's potential. Still. Freak. All right, Mike, last question. And then we'll let you go. Who's the uh, sleeper team for the Super Bowl this year in the NFL? Oh, no. I, I, I want to say – I don't want to guess up too much, but I want to say the Miami Dolphins. Yeah! Oh, oh my God. Mike, did we but, just uh, become best friends? they've made. Fuck. Now, obviously, Tua and his brain is a big uh, – brain health You're is a big part of this. But, like, they, they, they did the things they needed to do on defense, right? You, you got Jalen Ramsey. Yep. You got a lockdown corner that crossed from Xavier Howard. You got an off-ball linebacker in David Long, who I think is awesome as a blitzer. Uh, And and now, obviously, they don't have too much draft capital, but I think they're in a great position to add either like another wide receiver or speed running back to this mix that uh, I could see them making a run. It's obviously AFC's loaded, but they're – they're right in the mix. I mean, Mike, you're one of the most intelligent people that I've ever <laughs> spoken with. I mean, you speak with grace. You speak with class. There's pure intelligence. I, I mean, you just nailed everything time. on the head. I mean, you know ball, as they would say. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Apparently, we don't. Uh, we don't. Uh, I do. Mike, thanks for coming on, man. It's been an Appreciate absolute it. pleasure this picking awesome. your brain. Um, we're very excited for the draft next week. We're going to be out there in Kansas City. So if you are listening at home, Definitely come find us in Kansas City at the NFL Draft. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube. Uh, you know, Go to thegameday.com for any of the best sports betting advice, all that jazz. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Peace. Thanks, Mike. Sweet. See you. The Caps Off Podcast is brought to you by The Game Day, starring Adam Tabachnik, Felipe Fontes, Jack Perotti, and Matan Mann. Producers Ben Wolfen and Matan Mann. Don't forget to check out our social at Caps Off Pod on Instagram and at Caps Off Podcast on TikTok. And go to thegameday.com for all the best sportsbook offers.